Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Dave, how are you, my friend? Doing good. How are you, Chris? Yes, wonderful. Absolutely brilliant. It's sunny here, right, which for England is pretty rare. So <laughs> everyone just goes into party mode. Well, obviously they don't at the moment. Well, some are, some are not. It's all a bit confusing. But you're in, is it Phoenix? I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, and we are actually having one of the three days a year when it rains. It's going to be raining today. So, uh, you know, we're, we're having a just juxtaposition of weather. I was going to say, because isn't Arizona one of the hottest places on the planet? It is the, I think behind Riyadh, it's the uh, hottest uh, city, large city in the, in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if I remember this rightly, and I should do because I've read his book, my friend Sean Atwood, congratulations, Sean, if you're watching on half a million subscribers, um, which, Dave, you're, you're rapidly chasing that. Um, but, yeah, Sean was in jail, I think, it was it in Arizona. Was it the Sheriff Arpaio was that, that very controversial sheriff that he made everyone wear pink to humiliate them and it was sheriff joe yep yeah that's that's your state right yes no i don't mean like it's your responsibility but no uh but the the pink uh (laughs) accessories are true i transport a lot of patients in and out of the maricopa county jail system pink handcuffs pink underwear pink pretty much everything in the jail system yeah Yeah, that's sheriff joe's thing so no, uh, no human rights issue there then. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, Joe believed that humility was a good teacher. Yeah. So that was his thing. I think Sean would say punching Joe in the mouth would be, <laughs> I'm just sticking up for my mate. Um, so Dave, thanks so much for coming on the bought the t-shirt podcast. Um, this is kind of how it is, right? I got to hear of the QAnon, if we can call it a phenomenon or a thing, in the sort of last, I'm going to say couple of years. I mean, I've heard the kind of hashtag or the um, where we go one, we go all, which is a really cool expression. It sounds really like, yeah. Um and I've been familiar with that because when you see that in a tweet, you automatically go, what the hell does that mean? And then you Google it and uh, (laughs) sorry, you search engine it and and you're like, ah, right. So I've known about it kind of on the fringe. I'm massively into the truth. Um, As people will know, I say after the events in New York, I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. That kind of opened my eyes up to the fact that, ah, we're not actually told the truth by, you know, these people. Well, certainly not all the time. And when my podcast got, got sort of up and running, my producer, I've got a Netflix producer, Marty. Hello, Marty. Um, 
who say, Chris, you really should check out the, you know, the Q, the, the Q situation. And a fellow Marine of mine or former Marine message me and say, Chris, have you been checking, you know, checking out Q? So when people that you really respect yeah, suggest you do something, obviously there's a big um, imperative there or more of an imperative to do it. And what I found, Dave, is really fascinating. Um, from many perspectives, but until now, um, I've I haven't had what what you would call a specialist such as yourself. I've had people that are interested in the Q phenomenon come and talk to me, and it's created a um, you know a, a wealth of interest. It's it's thrown up. Lots of stuff on both sides of the fence, right? Or, or there's never any two sides to this true fence. There's a, there's a, a thousand <laughs> sides as we know, right? But that's interesting because, you know, you need a bit of balance to be able to find, find your truth in life. So sorry I'm rambling on a bit, but what I'm trying to say is I was asked if I would invite you on the show as somebody that could um, present you in a way that isn't kind of like, um, ah, uh, maybe, uh, if that kind of makes sense. So I don't know where, where it's best to begin. Maybe, maybe I'll let you uh, decide that. Well, I appreciate you having me on, uh, on your podcast. Uh, yeah, I am, I'm not from the community of what you would call truthers or conspiracy theorists, whatever you want to refer to them as. Uh, I've never been interested in alternate explanations for uh, the events in New York, as you would call them. Um, never been interested in those things. I, I've always taken mainstream media or the government's official uh, explanation for those events as the truth. And... In 2017, things started to change a little bit. Um, my wife was actually listening to a woman who was a YouTuber who was following Q when Q first started posting, uh, end of October 2017. And since my wife and I share an office, um, it, when she, whatever she listens to, I'm listening to. <laughs> and I was in the process of writing books. Uh, um, in 2015, I uh, decided to quit my job as a paramedic, became a full-time author, and I had published, up until that point, nine books. So I was writing on another book, working on a manuscript, and I kept hearing in the background this woman talking about Q and asking all these questions and reading Q's posts. And to be honest, I found it a little bit annoying. <laughs> I, didn't, I, did, I did not understand it, didn't get the point of it, didn't make sense to me, but my wife was fascinated by uh, Q's post. So she was actually following pretty, you know, pretty much from the beginning. And then I had a dream in December of 2017, where in the dream, I met this guy who looked like Mr. Miyagi from the, <laughs> from the karate kid. That's what he looked like. And he, he, he in this uh, dream, he told me that my understanding of historical events was wrong. He said, all of your understanding of history is completely wrong. And then he began to ask me questions about 
events from the past. You remember this event and you remember these two people. Well, how are they connected to that event? And then he would ask me about another event and he'd ask me about more people and how are they connected to that event? And I was listening to this guy talk and I kept thinking, man, this guy sounds like Q. <laughs> just in the dream, I was like, he just reminds me of the way Q talks. And then we got up and we walked a little ways, went into another room and we kept talking. And then he said, he stopped and he looked at me uh, and said, do you understand that this is primarily about the children? And that was the end of the dream. So, um, you know, I did a little soul searching and I, I knew what he was talking about. I knew he was talking about child trafficking and uh, I knew that he was a representation of Q and that I was being told I needed to take this Q thing seriously. Well, I decided in for a penny, in for a pound. Uh, so I started researching Q's post, read all of the, all the posts going all the way back. And this is, like I said, uh, first week of December, 2017. So I only had to catch up with a few hundred posts. Um, got caught up, started doing, listening to some other YouTubers who were doing Q commentaries. And um, I, I had been in the fall of 2017, I'd started doing live streams mostly on Periscope and Twitter, but I did some of them on YouTube where I was doing nightly or, or probably every other night, at least two or three nights a week, I would do a news and current events update, sort of like what uh, Dave does with uh, X22 report. Uh, I'd go through the headlines, find news, and I would just do an, uh, like a 20 minute news update, a couple, three nights a week. And so I was used to doing broadcasts and I was used to doing some research and putting together information on news and current events. So I thought, well, in January, I'm going to take my news update and I'm going to do a Q update. <laughs> Just read through Q's posts, give people my impressions and thoughts on what, what, the, uh, what Q was talking about. So that was January 14th, 2018. That's when I started doing regular Q updates. And I've been doing Q updates ever, ever since then. I have over 200 uh, videos on YouTube. Uh, and they're also, uh, all my videos, Q videos are also uploaded on, let's see, on BitChute, <laughs> on Vimeo, pretty much any video platform. There's a place called Utah Gun Exchange now. They have a YouTube-like uh, platform. It's actually very user-friendly. All my Q videos are uploaded on that platform and a number of other platforms because um, it would not surprise me if at some point I get banned from YouTube. YouTube does not like people talking about Q. And my platform got demonetized a long time ago. And uh, they put the little Wikipedia uh, entry underneath all my videos. Uh, Q is a far-right conspiracy theory, just in case you didn't know. So um, I, I've I been doing to, Q. Up. I, Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt it, but I will come back to that because I have, you know, some theories about Wikipedia, but, but carry on. So I've been doing Q updates. Uh, whenever Q is posting, I, I do updates. I create a Twitter thread with the most current posts. I do some interpretation, put in some links to articles and videos. And then I do a video broadcast based off of the Twitter thread. And like I said, I've been doing that for about two years. It, has really become a full-time job. 
I stopped publishing books, uh, which is not a good thing to do if you're a full-time author. <laughs> but um, I, when Q started up in 2017, uh, I, I kind of just became a full-time Q researcher. It's what I've been doing for the last uh, three years. I just research Q. I spend 50, 60, 60 hours a week probably researching Q, looking at articles, putting things together, talking to other uh, researchers going on the board, looking at all the posts, finding out what the anons are saying. So it's become kind of like my full-time life. Now, I, I finally got back to publishing. Uh, last summer, I published my first novel, and then I published my first Q book in January of this year. So back to getting some books out, which is kind of nice because, uh, well, it puts uh, a little bit of food on the table. But, you know, like I said, Q has kind of become my life, my main message. Uh, prior to that, I mostly wrote books on healing and hearing God's voice and the supernatural. And now most of my focus, I, I still focus on those subjects and I do broadcasts on them, articles. But um, right now, Q has kind of been, is my, my wheelhouse. It's my comfort zone. So I'm more than willing to answer any questions that you have about Q. Yeah. I'm just... Um wonder if we need to fill in a few blanks here for our friends at home um, and, and to be polite to yourself, Dave. So you were a medic as in like yes. a, a paramedic, right? Yes. Yeah. I worked as a paramedic for 35 years before I became a full-time author. Um, were you in like driving an ambulance or, or something like yep. that? Yeah. Um, are we allowed to, without, you know, upsetting you, do, you must've seen some kind of, um, extreme scenes over the years uh lots of extreme scenes over the years um, i worked in a lot of different um capacities as a paramedic i worked as a flight paramedic for a while i've worked for a fire department i've worked for private ambulance services i've worked for hospital-based ems i've worked for a lot of different agencies and i've seen a lot of very um i would just say traumatic things over the years and uh, the last 10 years of my career was pretty difficult. I was doing mostly critical care transports. So uh, really sick patients, high risk. Uh, a lot of them are, are circling the drain. They're on ventilators. They're on balloon pumps. They've got Swan-Gans catheters with lots of uh, medications uh, flowing, trying to keep them alive. And uh, it was pretty darn stressful <laughs> the last 10 years. I, I'm going to say, honestly, I don't miss it. Um, I really love being a writer, and I don't miss working in the field as a medic anymore. Well, that deserves a big you know, round of applause. You, you've been keeping people's loved ones alive, basically, as, as best you can, right? Yep. Yeah, no, congratulations, and thank you. People always say to me, thank you for your service. I'm like, please don't say that. We, it's just a job. But, you know, I went in the Marines. I got friends that worked in a bank it's you don't go to your bank and go thank you for your service but for <laughs> what, you know for what you're doing is is um or for what you've done i should say i think that you're owed a huge debt of gratitude um when you have to call it's 911 in america right and right it's 999 in the uk that's that's a very serious thing isn't it that's you know, it's kind of last resort sort of thing. Yeah, it is. Um, it is a serious thing. Uh, you know, lives hanging in the balance pretty much every day. It's a challenging 
line of work, but it's obviously very stressful. And the cumulative effects of stress um, give most people in law enforcement, firefighters, paramedics, uh, and the military end up with uh, some degree of post-traumatic stress disorder. And then you end up with substance abuse issues or uh, you know mental health issues. And uh, that's a whole nother <laughs> conversation. But yeah, it's, it's a very interesting line of work in addition to being obviously very stressful. It's not called the Bought the T-Shirt podcast for no reason, Dave. <laughs> that is correct. We've, uh, we've all bought, bought a bit of that. So, and the praying sounds quite fascinating. Is, is that in a sort of meditative sense or? or uh, it- yes, that is, a, that is a spiritual moniker, if you will. Yeah. Uh, I'm a former atheist, actually. Um, I lived most of my adult life as an atheist. And then about 20 years ago, I met God. And my life has been pretty different ever since then, radically different. Mm. Um, In 2008, I actually had a dream where I met God. And he told me that he wanted me to pray for my patients. And if I did, he would heal them. And so... I kind of, at that time, I didn't know anything about healing or miracles, and I didn't believe in, in healing prayer. So I had a, a little bit of a challenge. It took me a, a while to figure out what that all meant, but over the course of about six months, um, I put myself on a, on a crash course to learn how to heal people through the supernatural power of God. And then my first book that I wrote in 2013 was Divine Healing Made Simple, where I explain step-by-step the basics of how to release the power of God, how to work miracles, how to get rid of demons, uh, deliverance, and a little bit of emotional healing, kind of an all-in-one book. Um, So yeah, the praying medic uh, comes from the fact that in 2009, when I started uh, blogging as a paramedic, um, a lot of doctors, nurses, and paramedics were, were blogging at that time. They would tell stories about the patients that they, tra- that they saw. And it, we all blogged anonymously. You have to have a, some kind of anonymous name. Keep your patients anonymous to, for privacy uh, sake. So I chose the name Praying Medic, and um, that name kind of stuck. Uh, so that's, that's kind of what I've gone by on social media and uh, use it as a pen name for my books um, until I've published my first Q book. I, the Q book I actually wrote under, wrote under my uh, my first name, my given name. On your YouTube, is it the helicopter? You said you were part of a flight rescue. Yes. Yep. That's where that comes from. Have you got an? Is it an orange banner as well? Yes. Yep. This is completely aside from our uh, Q chat, but. <laughs> When I, this is how the brain works. When I saw that and I saw praying medic, medic to a military man, it, you automatically think of com- combat, right? Right. See, the chopper makes me think Vietnam and the orange, right. orange is like Agent Orange. Ah. So I get this uh, vision of a, of a medic praying in Vietnam, <laughs> like it's praying to get out the ship, basically. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm a little bit young to be a Vietnam vet, but uh, yeah, it's it's obvious why you would make that association. I'm sure a lot of people ask me if I you know have any military service, but I've never been in the military. Always been civilian. I was in Vietnam, but uh, only as a tourist <laughs> or back backpacker, I should say. Right. So yeah, let's um bringing it back to to Q then. Now I should state now. Uh, just so so our listeners kind of know where where I'm at and where and to a degree where British people are at, we're not so massively here now into the politics as I see you guys kind of seem to be. I think we've. I mean, I have my personal view of, of what politicians are, but as a British people, we've become quite apathetic. Just because our politicians are just such losers, you know? Yeah. They're real that's, that's where America was four years ago. A, a lot of Americans are very apathetic about politics. Uh, but uh, Donald Trump kind of changed the complexion of the political discussions in America. Um, our country has become highly polarized in the last four years because of Trump, mainly because of the mainstream media. Mainstream media has always sort of supported whatever politician was in the White House, whatever president we had. Um, they haven't made a big issue of attacking a president uh, until Trump came along. Once, once Trump got in the White House, mainstream media went full blitz attack on Trump. And the mainstream media's negative coverage of Trump for the last three years, three and a half, four years, has really caused a polarization and an act really, I mean, it's caused a lot of uh, political activism in the States. I've never seen before. Um, it's, it's really remarkable to look at the, co the complexion of American discussion now versus how it was five years ago, completely different. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people are, are discussing politics and current events who never were interested before. My hand is raised. I was never much of a political activist um, until Trump came along and then uh, a lot of us jumped on the bandwagon to support him because he was being attacked by the media every day, all night, 24 seven. So and we, we should remember here that he prevented the witch getting in, didn't he? Come yes, on, let's, let's be honest. Oh, mate, if Hillary would have gotten in, uh, we probably would have had our first nuclear war with North Korea or Iran a couple of years ago, uh, we would be living in, pretty close to living in gulags uh, under uh, severe socialist leftist uh, dictatorship right now. That's, that's what America would be like if Hillary would have gotten in. Yeah, I mean, I've seen her in videos going, well, she left the boys in Benghazi out to die, didn't she? Yeah. Um, to cover her own, you know, to cover her own back and her cronies back. After, after selling weapons to ISIS and arming uh, a lot of terrorists, yeah, then, you know, strung out the boys in Benghazi and let them, yeah. let them find, find for themselves. And I've seen her in videos going, ha, huh, we killed him. As if, like, death is something that, you know, it's something to be proud of. It's, it's a horrible, horrible thing. And doesn't matter whose who's it is, it's it, to... to the way she, she kind of frames these things is like, 
that's a psychopath, not not a not a world leader, you know. Um, and then of course we had Trump, and I remember, and I don't do politics, I don't believe any of them work for our benefit. Um, I'm not gonna sort of go down that avenue on this podcast out of politeness to yourself, Dave, and our audience, um, because we're here to talk about Q, but I do remember when. Obama was it humiliated Donald Trump in a room full of guests, and he said, "I've heard Donald Trump thinks he's going to be president." Ha <laughs> ha! Well, that day's never going to come. And and Donald, you know, Donald Trump was sat there, and he just kept his game face. And I'll, I'll be honest, whatever my feelings are about anybody, I. A, I kind of felt for him a bit there. And B, I thought that's going to come back and haunt some people, you know? That is going to come, that is going to come back and haunt some people. Yep. So tell us more of your, your Q journey, Dave. How did it develop from just hearing these things? And and you said you went into full time research. What what was it that engrossed you? It was uh, it was the dreams. Number one, I I have been following my dreams pretty actively for the last oh, since two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I had prior to two thousand eight, I had not had any dreams for about twenty five years, and then two thousand eight, I started having dreams pretty regularly. Right now, I have dreams every night. And I believe that most of our dreams are from God. And I've had probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 dreams just about the subject of Q over the last two and a half years. So I, I feel that this is a divine assignment, that God is directing me to follow Q, to do my best to decode Q's posts. And, and the other thing that keeps me going doing this is the uh, appreciation that I get from people who find my, my threads on Twitter, the, the few people who are able to find them because Twitter does a really good job of hiding my, <laughs> my things on Twitter. I have people message me all the time. I've been following you. I have notifications on. I never get notifications. I never see any of your stuff in my timeline. I have to go to your page to find you know your Twitter threads. It is a bit difficult to find uh, my threads on Twitter because Twitter doesn't like me, doesn't like Q, and is doing everything they can to try to hide uh, Twitter threads. So, I, I, but the the people who do follow uh, Q and follow my decodes, they really appreciate what I do. Um, most of them, you know, they work, they've got kids, they've, they're going to school, they don't have the time to invest in going through the forty five hundred posts and reading them all and trying to understand them in addition to reading all the articles, following up all the links and all the other things. So um, I I consider it to be a service uh, to my fellow man. And a lot of people are very appreciative of the fact that I sit down every day, whenever Q is posting, and do my best to sort through the the coded language and uh, make sense of everything and and put it in, in some context. People just really appreciate that and and that for me makes it totally worthwhile 
despite all the criticism, because I get a lot of criticism, a lot of attacks, um, the appreciation that people show for what I do really makes it worthwhile. Yeah, well, I've no doubt, you know, you'll. Trump said, you know, drain the swamp because it's been a swamp and it's been a swamp all my lifetime. And I'm sure, you know, I speak for, for all of us. Right. And and um, to I guess, you know, people are looking for a ray of hope. And of course, you're, you're you know, you're certainly providing that day with your. You know, the, well, the, the reason why the, the reason why people are grateful for my Q decodes is that Q gives people hope. And that's what people want. Now, the critics of Q will say that Q is giving them false hope. Okay, well, that, that may be. Only time will tell. Uh, Q, Q's, Q's operation, essentially, bottom line is, Q is communicating to the world the ideas and the evidence that there is a two-tiered system of justice, that wealthy, powerful people have escaped justice for years, and that that two-tiered system of justice is being taken down and the wealthy and corrupt people are about to be prosecuted. That's essentially Q's message, right? So that gives people hope. I mean, most people have seen that you know, people like Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein, uh, they always tend to skate. You know, for years they've been committing these crimes and no one, they've never been held accountable. Even when Epstein was arrested and prosecuted you know, ten years ago, he his sentence was sixteen months, and he spent most of it on work release for raping. Yeah, uh, I know. And and he there were fifteen <clears throat> charges against it, uh, fifty charges against it, and he got off with two. You know, right. Yeah. So, I just want to step in there, Dave, and say, yeah, go ahead. This is why I want, you know, why I want to entertain the idea of Q on, on my show is because there are undeniable factors about it that have, maybe I should just say positive implications for, for us as a global society, right? For yep. example, it's bringing people around to realizing that these sociopaths, as I call them, that aren't, aren't all what they seem, right? That, right. that your me- media isn't telling you the truth. Right. That, that there's one rule for the elites and then there's one rule for us scumbags, you know? Yep. This is great. My, my I, I have this thing. I, when people say, how are you on this? How are you on? I'm like, my jury is out because I'm a free person. I'm, I'm free. And I will always be free. And to that end, I'm never going to jump on this boat or that boat or put all my eggs in this basket. I'm going to be like, yeah, hey, and try to pick you know try to exercise a bit of um astuteness i don't know if that's the right word but i think people know what i mean and 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 so to sum up what, what i'm trying to say so yeah there's undeniably a so much positives to come not just from q but from having this conversation but i want people listening to realize this 
I, I host a podcast, right? It's not a Q channel. It's not a this. It's not a that. I won't just be interviewing military people because I know a lot of you like military. I won't just be, you know, defending something like Q because a lot of you want me to defend Q. I'm just, I'm like a platform here and I don't believe in censorship. And I think if we don't have open conversations, how can you grow? How can you learn? You know, if we don't hear, you know, alternative voices and, and, um, so, so yeah, with that in mind, there's things about Q that just seem really great. And then there's other things that just seem a bit like fanciful, Dave, how, how do you, how what, do are, you, what are the, what are the parts of Q that seem a bit fanciful? Do you have any specifics that I can answer, uh, address? Um, I'm trying to obviously want to choose my words carefully because I, I'm not I'm not here to offend anyone. I'm just here to give light to this whole subject. So, for example, JFK Jr. Right? Yep. He knew who killed his father. He's not stupid, right? He. Um... Perhaps I, I don't know. I, I don't, I've never looked into that whole situation myself. I'm, I'm just kind of like, let's just say I'm putting this out there. It might not be what I believe, but I'm just putting up the the sort of uh, you know one one scenario. Let's say so. He held off from politics because he knew the people that killed his dad. Right. Okay. Uh, he's engraved from a young age. He had to stand there by the coffin, you know, and watch his dad get back. Horrendous, right? Later on, after standing back from politics, which he knew if he went into, he's just jumping in, you know, he's, he's just jumping into the swamp and likely like a lot of his family, he's going to get the off too. Right. Okay. He brings out this magazine and he calls it, George, an obvious pointer at, you know, people think, oh, it's named after George Washington. No, it's George Bush killed my dad. That's clearly like, and and even the, like the articles, I, I, I can't remember it like off pat, but it, it, it just looked, it, it came across as a clear indication as he's pointing the finger at Poppy Bush. Okay. I, I, I wasn't, I've never read George and I didn't study too much of JFK Jr.'s life. So I'm just going to take your word for all this and that's fine. Well, if you followed that family around and, and also the, the Clinton crime family, as, as Sean Atwood would quite rightly refers to them, you know, these are people, they have their own assassination squad. Right, that you can't mess with them. If you if you threat if you threaten their their status and their livelihood and their standing in American society, you know you. you so, what's the connection with JFK Jr. and Q? Well, the connection is that when JFK Jr.'s plane went down, it was like that's he's. He brought that magazine out. That's his payback, right? Okay. And 
Now, I'm, I'm just chucking this. I'm not ju- making any judgment here. I, I'm saying when we talk about the stuff that seems fan- that, that could be seen as fanciful, fanciful, then we're told that he's still alive and he's the person behind Q. Have, is this something that you've heard? JFK what? Jr. has nothing to do with Q. Okay. How, how is that? How has that begun to float around the, the, you know, the social media? Because, because the Q community uh, has been infiltrated by a lot of people who are telling fanciful stories to distract and discredit the actual message of Q, right? So this whole JFK Jr. thing started out in July of 2018, when Q had gone off uh, the board and hadn't posted for 20 days. It was the longest time at that point that Q had gone without posting. While Q was gone, some anonymous person gets on the board and starts calling themselves R-Anon instead of Q-Anon. And they started telling the story about JFK Jr. is still alive and he is going to be helping Trump. And he, it was a big psyop and he's going to come out and Trump and him are going to work together. And, and he, he was weaving this story, this anonymous person. And a bunch of people on the board and a bunch of Q followers started to believe that this R Anon was going to be taking over. He actually said he was going to be taking over for Q. And then uh, a couple of days later, Q shows up, <laughs> starts posting again. One of the very first questions is one another anonymous user said, "Hey Q, what's this deal with R? Uh, where you get you need to clarify this? Is R real? Are we following R? Are we following you?" And Q said, "There is there is only Q. All right, R is not a, a, a legitimate." entity to be to be um taken seriously well can, can i so, just say, the, so oh, hang, hang on let me just finish real, real quick um in a question and answer session about six months later this is december of 2018 there were still a lot of people who are following this theory that jfk jr is still alive and i was contacted by a youtube uh youtuber who she was pushing this story about JFK Jr. being alive. And, and a lot of these people follow Q and then they're also just pushing this JFK Jr. thing. She sent me a package with uh, some magazines, Kennedy's magazines and all this, all this other information and insisted I had to get on board with JFK Jr. being alive, right? So in a question and answer session in December, December 12th, 2018, Q answered a bunch of questions that Anand's had. One of the questions was, is JFK Jr. alive? And Q said, no, he's dead. All right. And we, uh, some of us have been trying to, to like put to death this rumor that JFK Jr. is alive, but it keeps popping back up. The mainstream media, whenever they write articles about Q, they always claim that Q said JFK Jr. is alive. Q never said JFK Jr. was alive. Emphatically, Q said, JFK Jr. is dead. He's not a part of this operation. Mm. So there's this, um, for people who don't follow Q closely, there's this idea that Q is pushing JFK Jr. And he isn't. He never has. 
This is just some people who decided that that was going to be their issue. So. Wow, you've cleared, cleared that up nicely. <laughs> there's And there's a lot of issues like that where Q has actually never endorsed a particular idea. Some followers have endorsed it. And then the media starts going off saying, oh, Q is talking about this stuff. And Q has never talked about it. Mm. So it's, it, it's, um, it's good if, if a subject comes up and people are attributing some message or some idea to Q, it's a good idea to just go to one of the Q web, one of the websites that hosts Q posts, do a search, just put the term in there and see if Q has even mentioned it. A lot of times you'll find out Q has never mentioned it. Okay. Um, so. And I guess, Dave, we should, for people listening to the podcast that, that aren't familiar with Q, could you just give a very quick synopsis yep. of how it came up on the boards and who we think it might be and how yep. it relates to, to the president? Yep. So my, uh, my five-second elevator pitch, <laughs> Q, we believe, we believe Q is a, uh, an open source intelligence operation developed by the U.S. military and backed by President Trump. Okay. So it's it, when I say open source intelligence, um, open source as opposed to classified, right? So you have two different types of information. You have information that's classified and information that is open source. Anyone can find it on the internet. So Q provides information that researchers go out and they just research. Q will drop a link to a news article or a video and suggest that researchers should start looking into this. Now, this type of uh, providing information has been going on on 4chan and 8chan for years. Um, these are anonymous message boards that have been set up a long time ago. And when you post a message on these message boards, they're, they're called image boards um, technically, because you can post an image along with text. So these message boards were set up a long time ago. People have been posting on them for, for years. It is well known that um, intelligence agencies frequent these boards, the NSA, CIA, uh, FBI, Department of Justice, uh, probably GCHQ and, and other intelligence agencies. They observe the messages that are being posted on these boards. They have for years. And because every once in a while, someone will show up and they'll start dropping information on one of these boards and it'll, um, it will tell people to start researching different things. A good example of this before Q was an Anon who became known as FBI Anon. Now, uh, <clears throat> in July of 2016, right before the 2016 election, um, the FBI was investigating Hillary Clinton for her email scandal. And on July 5th, James Comey came out, made an announcement. He cleared Hillary of any wrongdoing. Okay. A couple of days prior to that, this anonymous user showed up on 4chan, was posting, posted threads over the period of a, of a couple of days telling people to look into the Clinton Foundation. And he was dropping information about all the crimes that the Clinton Foundation was involved in. And he's, he, he said, I'm an FBI agent and I am working on the Clinton Foundation investigation. 
and I'm here to give you information. I want you to start researching these things and put these things together. He posted for a couple of days and gave a lot of clues. And I, that was my introduction to 4chan. Um, I had read the threads, followed the links, did a bunch of research. I actually researched for about a month back then. Um, all the connections that this, this person was making to the Clinton Foundation. So <clears throat> when Q came along in, uh, at the end of October 2017, I had already some familiarity with these intelligence insiders who post clues about criminal activity. So now when I said that my wife started following Q, uh, um, she was the first one in our family that was following Q. When I, um, Q was posting information that was different than FBI and on. FBI and on was, was answering people's questions, was, was providing specific information, specific clues, kind of like what Q is doing, but Q started out asking a lot of uh, questions kind of in a, um, <laughs> using the Socratic method, basically, asking a lot of questions. And uh, that October 27th, Q just showed up, started asking all these questions, dropped some hints about Hillary, John Podesta, and Huma Abedin being arrested first week of November. And then continued asking questions, dropped a bunch of information about Saudi Arabia and asked questions about Jared Kushner's uh, visit to Saudi Arabia. And this is all right before the, uh, members of the Saudi royal family were arrested. And that was kind of the clue, the first clue that, that Q was onto something because Q was talking about Saudi Arabia the day before the royal members of the royal family were arrested. And so that was kind of the beginning of Q. People got interested in Q's post on 4chan because he seemed to have known ahead of time that there were some things going on in Saudi Arabia that no one else would have known. Q asked, on the day that the Saudi uh, princes were arrested, he asked what private contractors were in Saudi Arabia. And there was a news story about three weeks later, sure enough, Blackwater. They were, on, they were in Saudi Arabia helping with the arrests. Um, Q asked what uh, Jared Kushner was doing with, with Mohammed bin Salman. Four months later, news article breaks that Kushner had met with Mohammed bin Salman and basically gave him intelligence uh, information on members of the royal family who were plotting to overthrow him. <laughs> so when, once Q started dropping this information and people started getting the news headlines that confirmed what he was talking about, mm -hmm. that's why people took Q as seriously as an intelligence insider. And that's essentially what Q is. Q had, presents himself as an intelligence insider, um, has made a lot of hints to being to having uh, connections in the National Security Agency, U.S. NSA. Um, there is a lot of coordination between Q's posts and President Trump's tweets. Uh, two nights ago, Q posted three seconds before uh, President Trump tweeted. That was the second time in a week that Q posted at the same time Trump tweeted. And hey, then Q can you posted. Just clarify for us what was the link there between Q and what? Because I read Trump's tweet and I, obviously I'm. There's there's not always a connection. There's usually not a connection between the subject matter. 
So Q will post about whatever subject and Trump will tweet about whatever subject. It's not the subjects that are related. Generally, when Q and Trump post at the same time, there's no relation of the subject. Q is drawing our attention to the time interval, right? So it's just, it's a question of mathematics. If you do the math um, over the time that Q has been posting, if you just kind of figure it out, Q posts an average of about five times a day, maybe four times a day on average, okay? Mm. And Trump tweets probably 12, 13, 14 times a day, maybe on average. So if you just mathematically ask yourself, what is the probability that one person randomly posting five messages a day is going to hit on the exact same time that President Trump tweets. Now, let's do the math computation. Um, the interesting thing about Q is Q has posted at exactly the same time as President Trump on more than 30 occasions. And he has actually predicted it ahead of time. So in November last year, when 8chan was finally taken down, they were deplatformed. Um, Q had not posted for three months. <laughs> From the end of August, September, October, no post. November 2nd, Q came back. And it was on a new board called 8coon. Jim Watkins, who is the owner of uh, 8chan, was able to set up another, another website called 8coon. So we got 8coon set up, established all the different boards, brought back the Q research board, and then Q came back and posted on that board using the same trip code from the previous board. So the, <laughs> the funny thing is, so Q posts, starts posting, says, hey, I'm back. Uh, trip, we're going to do a trip code confirmation, and we're going to use a zero delta. Now, zero delta, you're, you're former military. You know what a delta is, right? So the delta is the time interval between two things, right? And if Q and Trump post at the same time, there's a zero minute difference between their posts. We call that a zero delta. So Q notified the board he was going to update his trip code and there was going to be a zero delta. Now, we've been watching these zero deltas for years when he posts at the same time that Trump, Trump tweets. So sure enough, <laughs> five minutes later, Q and Trump post at the same time, exact same time, and then Q changes his trip code, and then he comes back and says, oh yeah, hey, about that zero delta, so this is confirmed. Because people were concerned that maybe, maybe it wasn't the same Q from the old board, we wanted to get confirmation. So Q warned us a zero delta was coming, there was a zero delta, and then he changed his trip code. So, uh, there's just there's just a lot of um, synchronicity that I see between Trump's tweets and Q's posts that looks to me to be you can't explain it as coincidence. I'll just say that. Is it? Um, are people alleging, for example, just talking rough terms here, that Mr. Q has got a pair of binoculars and he's watching through the White House window for for Donald Trump to post his tweet? or, you know, security cameras or something, or are yep. they suggesting that the two of them are working? Well, here's, here's the problem with that theory. 
Um, we only count a zero delta when Q posts first, not afterward. Uh, so, <laughs> okay. it, yeah. All right. It, this in this incident I was telling you about uh, it, it, all of these incidents. Q posts first, and then Trump tweets 15, 20, 30 seconds later. Okay, but it's always within 60 seconds, and Q always posts first. So a couple nights ago, there was a zero delta. It was actually a three-second delta. Q posted, and then Trump tweeted, and the difference between their timestamps was three seconds. Yeah, I uh, saw I saw that on and the that was the second, that was the second time in a week that Q posted exactly three seconds before Trump so tweeted. What? What is the, I mean, I'm guessing the president is getting asked all the time in conferences. He's not. Mr. President, what's No the one will ask the question. No. That's, that's the thing. Q has been trying to get the mainstream media to ask Trump, tell us about Q, Dis disavow Q. Are you, is Q part of your, your operation? What, what do you know about Q? No one has asked Trump about Q yet. Not one person. Now they could. The mainstream media has written over 2,000 articles claiming that Q is a vast right-wing conspiracy theory that is not connected to Trump. However, they never have not yet bothered to ask him one time if he knows anything about Q. They won't do it because they know the truth. They know that Q is Trump's intelligence insider. They know that. And that's why they don't ask the question. Because if they were convinced, if the media were convinced that Q wasn't part of Trump's operation, they would have asked the question two years ago. But they know Q is legitimate. That's why they won't ask the question. Yeah, this is what I, this brings me on nicely, Dave, to what I was, what I um, hinted to earlier, and also why I'm, I'm. You know, I'm trying to sit on the fence here just to be a like a, all right. a little good podcaster. <laughs> podcast host, but, but you're doing I, well. Well, it, it's like this, right? I read an article today. It's by The Guardian. So that's your very British newspaper, right? It, 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 people have this idea that certain media is less biased than others. I just... Personally, I think it's all all run by the same people, and they 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 give this one this flavor, this one a little bit of that flavor, and people think the illusion of choice. Yeah, people think they've got choice exactly. But anyway, the Guardian runs this article, and here is a mega red flag because they put Q in the same loony bin. As and I'm not going to say that you know, as the events in New York, right? So and and they call it what the words you were using, like extreme right wing conspiracy theory, right? Well, you, you, I'm trying to say this so people are, will understand what I mean. If you're saying that the official narrative of what happened 20 years ago in New York is the truth in this day and age with all the evidence, the counter evidence at your disposal. 
you are just incredibly naive. So for the Guardian to be calling the people that have spent countless hours of their lives digging for the truth, not just on for the benefit of society, but for all those poor people that were massacred, right? For them to say that we're all mad is just frank. It's not about being insulting. They can insult me as much as they want. I, I couldn't care less. But the fact is that they're trying that they're drawing the same parallel with Q. So if they can lie about that, you've got to ask yourself the question. Then they must not not must, but are they likely lying about this? It's the same thing again. We talked about like the Wikipedia entries. My kind of thing is if I want to find out if something is true, I go to Wikipedia, I go to that Snopes, because if they dispute it, then it, it's like it means it's true, <laughs> right? It, yeah, it's a contrary indicator. You know, <laughs> look, look who owns the media. Look what the, the function the media plays within a society. It's not for informing the people. It's for controlling the people on behalf of the sociopaths, you know? Well said. Um, and so this is why I'm, I'm, I'm really interested. Whether or not, you know, if I call him Mr. Q or Mrs. Q or Miss Q is just um, kind of limited in their scope as to what they can do, because there's an, I mean, you know, if we want to start putting the world to rights, for a start, we've got to rip apart the Second World War narrative and stop you know, we got to realize history is written by the winners. Um, there's an awful lot more, you know, we've got to look at what happened in you. There's so much, right? Um, and people talk about, oh, Q says they save Israel for that. It's like, whoa, it goes way deeper than Israel. Israel is just one of many fronts in the world that is used to play, you know, like a, I don't even. I don't even know a parallel. To there's do. a. I think there's a misunderstanding about Q's statement that they're saving Israel for last. Can I just, Dave? Let's come on to. I just finished my point. My point is, I I'm trying to build, obviously, a picture in my head from the evidence available, as to how, what Q's reaches. You know, what can this person how what change what change can they affect right because if let's just say it's, it's a general in the intelligence business in trump's you know cabinet or, or government yeah yeah i i from, from what from what i've seen that that could figure um are they trying to drain drain the swamp to use the cliche yeah i that wouldn't that be that would be so nice, you know, to actually have people in power that instead of being the utter cowards and criminals that we've, that's all we've seen all our lives, cowards and criminals, you know, and they have to be criminals to get in power because if you're not blackmailable, if they haven't got indecent images of you doing naughty stuff to children, you don't get in power or something along those lines, you know. so. So yeah, I, I'm. It's it's promising, let's say, right? 
Um, I'm kind of, I'm peeing her off here knowing, I'm kind of limited to what I can say, Dave, because I don't, there's some things I just don't want to say on this platform. It's, um, so I'm sorry if I sound a bit vague at times. It's like, I know what I mean, but my poor uh, <laughs> guests and, and listeners don't. So I, I apologize for that. But yeah, let's go back to your point uh, about Israel. Yeah. Um, a lot of people bring up the, the thing that Q said, uh, and you have to put that in context. Um, the first time Q ever mentioned Israel was that day, I think it was at the end, I might have the date wrong, it was either at the end of April or an end of May, when, uh, let's see, 2018, when Benjamin Netanyahu produced a bunch of evidence uh, that Iran had actually never stopped its nuclear weapons program, and they had a secret uh, nuclear weapons site in northern Syria and actually another one in uh, in uh, northern Iran. And Q had posted some information that day about Netanyahu exposing this information about Iran's covert uh, weapons program. Right. That was the first time Q mentioned uh, anything significant about Israel. Now, prior to that, um, and Anand did ask Q if Israel was involved and Q replied, very specific reason Israel was not mentioned once. Israel, he was saved for last. So <clears throat> a lot of people have kind of assumed that Q is saying, well, Israel is the worst of everything and we're saving the best for last. And we're really going to go after Israel, you know, when this is all, well, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, if you go on the board, <laughs> you just observe comments made by people on the board. There is a lot of very ugly anti-Semitism that is spread on 4chan and 8chan. There's, there is just a lot of anti-Semitism. Q is aware of that. And Q is also acutely aware of the fact that the mainstream media <clears throat> desperately wants to paint Q as a Nazi, as a white supremacist, and as an anti-Semite. I think Q has avoided discussions <clears throat> of Israel because he doesn't want to be painted as anti-Semitic or, or uh, supporting white supremacy, which is exactly what the mainstream media wants to portray Q as. So <clears throat> I think Q's decision to save discussions of Israel till the end <clears throat> was really just a way of avoiding getting tagged as a, an anti-Semitic operation. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to kind of mull that over for a bit because it's that word, isn't it? Anti-Semite. It's, it, it's so misused. In, it, it's just well, anyone who talks about George Soros or the Rothschilds, the first thing the press says about you is you're anti-Semitic. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just want, I'm just going to talk for the sake of our um, clarification here for people, for our friends at home. Like I've been in Israel twice, Palestine, obviously. Um, I've lived, worked and traveled in 80 countries across all seven continents. 
I love all people. My truth in life, what I've found is it's the only way. You cannot be an enlightened individual if you hold any sort of hate or bitterness in your in your heart. So it's fine. If you want to hate people, fine, but don't expect to be happy. <laughs> that that's what I would suggest. Um I met wonderful people in Israel. And as I'm always saying, I don't think it's it's uh you know, I don't think Israel is the problem in the world. I think it's used. I think there's things they do. I mean, look at the genocide in Palestine. It, it's it's utterly horrific. But I think from a, a, a globally holistic perspective, I think Israel is used as a this buffer that no one's allowed to criticize. So no one's allowed to look beyond Israel to see who's really pulling the strings in the world. Um, so I think people hide behind Israel. And so when they do that, you know, when when you get a glimpse of them behind the curtain and you want a point, they go anti-Semitic and they know, they know that's going to conjure up all kind of horrible images in people's heads because of, you know, <clears throat> images from, from the Second World War narrative, this kind of thing. So I just want to say, you know, you're either a good person or you're a fucking asshole. It's that simple. It doesn't matter whether you're Jewish, Kazari, Kazarian, American, British, whatever, you know, it's, it's really that simple. And uh, so, um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a minefield talking about it because, you know, it is. It just is. So let me see, because I wrote a few things. I don't normally write many notes for podcasts because it generally tends to be a, 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 my podcast tend to be me chatting to to someone about stuff that I we share a, like a passion, right? Um, but when it, when it came to Q, in respect of our listeners and, and yourself, Dave, I wrote a few things down um, in no particular order then. Um, I'm guessing the Diana thing about her grave is shaped like a Q is a bit along the lines of the, the JFK Jr. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> Q has mentioned uh, Princess Diana one time. It was very early on in the operation, and Q was kind of hinting that Diana was probably taken out because she had information, and they were afraid she was going to talk about what she knew. Probably something to do with crime in the royal family, I'm guessing. That was, as far as I know, that's the only mention that Q has ever made of Princess Diana. Um, I don't know anything about her grave being shaped like a cube. I, I haven't really looked into that. Mm, okay. And um, we, we seem to have this belief that, that masses of uh, if we can call them underground traffic children are being rescued by, yep. I, I mean, a game day, please feel free. Yep. To, to so try. that came out, oh, gosh, there's so much, uh, there's so much misconstrued information out there. So Q had gone quiet for, for a period of time. And I think this was back in March, if I'm not mistaken. And 
Um, some, I think this is actually well-meaning people. They started to say that we we're going to have 10 days of darkness. <clears throat> and this is going to be April 1st to April 10th, I think is, if I remember this correctly. They were in March, they were predicting that we were going to have 10 days of darkness, that power was going to go out, internet access would go out. And there are all these children that were going to be rescued from tunnels underneath New York City. That was kind of, kind of the way it was painted. And, and supposedly, <clears throat> Q had already predicted this <clears throat> when with the post, 10 days of darkness. Well, I got on Twitter and I started telling people, look, this is not going to happen. <laughs> this is just wishful thinking. There is no evidence, no credible evidence to believe that there are a bunch of children trapped in tunnels underneath New York City. I mean, I'm not saying I can't empirically prove that there aren't children under tunnels in New York City, but to just say that you believe that there are without any evidence is a little bit wishy-washy. So they were predicting that there were going to be 10 days of darkness that Q predicted it, and this is going to happen first 10 days of April. Well, <clears throat> this whole 10 days of darkness thing, I had, um, <clears throat> I had explained this in a number of Twitter threads prior because this subject kept coming back up again. Uh, every time somebody got a feeling like something big was going to happen, oh, 10 days of darkness, Q predicted 10 days of darkness. So the 10 days of darkness thing... <laughs> was Q's uh, warning to people who were following him in December of 2017 that he was going to go dark for 10 days. Now, why is it relevant? Because when Q started posting on October 28th, he posted almost every day consistently for about a month. So through the end of November, he had posted, and the, the longest break Q ever took was four days without posting. So every two or three days, at least, Q would be on the board posting. He had never gone 10 days without posting before. So early in December, Q started talking about 10 days darkness. And there was actually two mentions of it. And then, interestingly enough, on December 25th, 2017, Q put a post with brackets and a 10, comma, nine comma dot 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 like a countdown from 10 to zero it was kind of hinting that maybe that whole 10 days of darkness thing was about to happen sure enough q didn't post for 10 days and then on january 4th q comes back on the board and confirmed to the anons that he was he was back and he was going to continue posting hmm. right so the 10 days of darkness was just q warning people that he was going to have a period of 10 days where he wouldn't post in December of 2017. That's it. It happened a long time ago. It was a very kind of an innocuous thing. But people have used that to claim that it was a prediction of these 10 days of darkness and where they're going to be rescuing people and doing it. And it happened again uh, in the last couple of weeks. Bunch of people on Twitter started talking about 10 days of darkness, predicting that, oh, power is going to go out, internet's going to go down, and we're going to have 10 days of darkness. And this thing keeps coming back over and over and over again because 
people don't go back and actually read the older posts and put everything in context. And if you're not, if you haven't been following Q from the very beginning, or if you haven't gone through and read the posts and put things in context and find out what has already happened, um, you're going to come to a lot of wrong conclusions. And the other thing is, <clears throat> Q, when, when that particular incident happened, Q came on the board and said, look, you need to be very, very careful about making predictions about future events based off of my drops because it's going to discredit the movement. It's going to discredit me and it's going to discredit you. You, you need to be very, very careful about making those uh, predictions and assertions. So Q was actually warning people not to do that. The thing about Q and predicting future events is this. Um, it's, it's a little bit difficult to describe. I'm going to do my best. So Q provides information and it is not intended to, to, for us to read the information and then predict what's going to happen in the future. That's actually not how Q's operation works. Q has specifically told Anon's researchers over the years when news events happen, go back and read my posts and you'll find drops and clues about news events after the news events happen, okay? And what people are trying to do is they're trying to do the reverse. They're trying to take Q's posts and use them to predict future events when Q said, it's not how you do it. Mm. I read my posts and then when the news events hit, Go back and read them, and you'll find little drops and predictions about the events in the past. Future proves past is how Q says it. So um, the biggest mistake people make with respect to that is they're, they're trying to make predictions about future events based on what Q has said, and it's, Q has actually instructed people exactly the opposite. It's you wait for the news to happen, you wait for the event, you wait for the arrest, you wait for whatever, and then go back and go. or Here's a good example, uh, General Flynn. So General Flynn uh, was Trump's incoming national security advisor. He gets wrapped up in the Mueller investigation. The FBI threatens to prosecute his kid if he doesn't plead guilty. So he pleads guilty to making false statements. They put him through the ringer. And he's right now, his case is about to be dismissed. His case has been dismissed by the Justice Department. Justice Department has dropped the prosecution. The judge won't let it go. But uh, it, it's only a matter of time before General Flynn's uh, case is dropped. Now, what was he supposed to have done in, in, in a nutshell? He got something to do with he was supposed to have lied to the FBI. Now, he, he pled guilty to uh, lying to the FBI. Funny thing was, in the notes by the FBI agents who interviewed him, they said they didn't think he lied. They, think he, they thought he was honest. Okay. But they, they forced him to plead guilty to lying uh, at the threat of having his son prosecuted. Hmm. So he, rather than having his kid prosecuted, he pled guilty knowing that at some point in the future, he would be exonerated. And he's about to be exonerated. Now, the interesting thing about that is, Q said back in March of 2018, Flynn will be cleared of all charges and he's going to rejoin the Trump administration. Okay. Q, Q predicted this two years ago. Did he, so, did he actually say that in those, in those yeah. words? Yes. 
uh, several times. Actually, in two or three posts, Q said, Flynn is safe. We protect our patriots. In another post, this is from March 18th, 2018, Q talked about corruption in the FBI Department of Justice and then said, Flynn, why is he being prosecuted? Who knows where the bodies are buried? Flynn is safe. He'll be cleared of all charges. He's going to rejoin the Trump administration in Trump administration version two. Um, I actually posted that on Twitter last night. As a reminder that Q told us two years ago, when nobody knew two years ago that Flynn was going to be cleared of all charges, and he probably will be. But the more interesting thing is this came up because it sounds like Flynn is going to be offered a position in the Trump administration. And I have a sneaking suspicion he might be the next FBI director. Mm -hmm. um, I actually had a dream a couple of weeks ago where uh, General Flynn was in the dream and he was joining, he was, he was hired by a really screwed up organization that told a bunch of lies about him, right? Well, the FBI is a screwed up organization. They told a lot of lies about him. And Q has been hinting that he might be the FBI director that's going to replace Chris Ray. And I'm not making a prediction. It's just, it's just a, a conversation thing that came up. So the, the point being, Q will give clues about news events that are going to happen. And then he said, when the news events drop, go back, look at my posts, and you'll see the predictions and the things that kind of foreshadow those events. So um, sorry for the long explanation, but that's, there's, there are a lot of people who, like I said, they mean well, but they don't really understand how Q's posts are are uh, supposed to be used with respect to looking at news events. I got you. I'm just going to play devil's advocate, although you did, you know, he gave, um, he gave a pretty accurate assessment of, of, is it General Flynn getting? General Flynn, yep. You know, he seemed to be quite specific there. All I was going to say, just for the sake of playing devil's advocate, is if you make these predictions, and then they're all in hindsight, right? Is it not? Is it not people, you know, drawing? There's a word for it. Sorry, it slips my mind. It's it's the bias thing, you know, the confirmation yeah, confirmation oh, bias. Yeah, absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely. And and that's the interesting part of Q's operation is not everything is stated clearly. Part of that is for national security reasons, because Q has access to classified information and it can't be given out in a clear, concise way, or it would violate national security laws. Number two, there are bad actors in the deep state who are reading Q's posts. <laughs> Q doesn't want to come right out and tell people, hey, this is the plan. This is when the arrests are going to happen. These are when the indictments are going to happen. So um, the information is provided in a coded uh, hints, clues, kind of a way that you have to go back and, and infer, you know, you have to infer the meaning. The meaning is not always very clear. Well, let me give you an example. Um, March of 2018, Q dropped a post with the stringers, two stringers, Red Castle, Green Castle. And we started researching, <clears throat> what the heck does Red Castle, Green Castle mean? Well, in doing our researching, we found out that um, the, there's a Red Castle that's actually part of the emblem 
of the Army Corps of Engineers. And the Army Corps of Engineers happens to have a unit stationed in Greencastle, Indiana, <laughs> right? So we're thinking, okay, wait a minute, maybe there's a connection here. And at that time, Trump was in a battle with Congress to fund the wall on the southern border. And Congress was not buying it. They were just, they were not going to fund the wall. They didn't want to have anything to do with this. Ain't going to happen. So we developed a theory, a bunch of us, all at the, all, we're all researching independently, but we all came to the same conclusion that maybe Trump was going to use the Army Corps of Engineers to build the wall on the southern border, right? So that was in March of 2018. We kind of, we all put it out on Twitter on our, on our Q threads that, you know, looks like Trump might be building the wall on the southern border and we're getting this crazy idea from this red castle, green castle thing that looks like a hint about um, the Army Corps of Engineers. Well, sure enough, in December, nine months later, Trump comes out and says, I'm going to have the military build a wall on the southern border and we're going to use the Army Corps of Engineers to do it. All right. So you look back and go, okay, well, was that just guessing? Are you, is it confirmation bias? Did you, like, how did you know that? Did you, did you know it? it? It wasn't obvious. It wasn't clear. It was a clue. And we just kind of, you know, we, we had a 50-50 chance. We could have been wrong, but it turned out that, you know, the, the information, the way we interpreted it, it just worked out that it, it predicted something Trump had not talked about publicly until nine months later. Mm-hmm. So let's just, um, I've got, a, as I said, a few, now I'm just going to come up with the first one okay. I'm looking at, right? So mm-hmm. I was sent a paper uh, recently and on that paper was listed about 20 occasions when Donald Trump uh, has physically stepped in front of a world leader, right? Or, or done similar, like in Saudi Arabia, t- taking the ceremonial sword, which apparently is like never, you're never supposed to do that, right? Or another one of the examples, say number six on the list, was George Bush uh, Jr. having to deliver Pete's, obviously Jr. because his dad's dead, but delivering pizza to his workers, right? Um, uh, Another one was Donald Trump. When he met the Queen of England, he went and stood in front of her, which is probably, I'm not big on English society or etiquette, but I'm sure you're probably not meant to do that, right? And the idea of this, um, of this, collection was to example the of all these world leaders or former world leaders that have had to i don't know what the word is let's let's just say kowtow kowtow to you know to donald's um leadership in with respect to this uh draining the world swamp so so to speak does does that make any do you know what i'm talking about for a start <laughs> i think i know what you're talking about uh it appears as though trump has broken with tradition in the way that you greet world leaders 
the sword dance in Saudi Arabia was a clear example. He and Rex Tillerson and uh, a few other members of Trump's cabinet, no one, no Western leader had ever done the Ardha sword dance with uh, Saudi royalty. Um, Trump has treated world leaders very differently. He doesn't bow and curtsy. He doesn't uh, scrape uh, and uh, treat them as if they're uh, a higher class than him because they're royalty or whatever. Um, I think it is interesting that Trump does, it, he's received by royalty and he treats royalty differently than any president I've ever seen. I think that is probably s signaling the fact that he doesn't respect the new world order. He doesn't respect the deep state because a lot of these political leaders, presidents, royalty, they're puppets. They're installed by the people who run everything at the top. And Trump doesn't really give a rat's ass about uh, <laughs> these puppets. He knows they're puppets. Why do you think he treats uh, Trudeau the way he does? Uh, the uh, prime minister of Canada. He treats him like a, a, a punk, a kid, because he knows exactly what he is. He's a kid. He's a punk. He's a puppet of George Soros. And he has no respect for him. And he makes no bones about <laughs> letting the world know that he doesn't really respect him. So I, Trump, in many situations, he signals uh, either, either verbally or non-verbally uh, his intentions, his respect. Uh, you can tell when Trump sincerely respects or admires people and when he doesn't. And people that, that Trump actually respects and admires are mostly uh, boxers, uh, wrestlers, um, musicians, accomplished people like that. That's those are people he really respects. He, he doesn't have a lot of respect for uh, puppets who are just globalist shills. Um, I'm guessing that his business background <laughs> probably comes into play there, doesn't he? You know, yeah, I think it does. Acting like the part and and yeah, yeah, I, I think it does. What about then? The envelopes. Do you, do you, I'm guessing you know what I'm referring yep. to about the envelopes. Yep. What the hell do you think that could have been about? I mean, well, I, Q said, Q said what was in the envelopes. Can I just chip in and say from an outsider yep. looking at that, I would say in those envelopes said, said <sighs> it would have been from one of the Kennedys to say, your dad killed my daddy, <laughs> right, right, or my uncle, or, or I, I'm just, I'm throwing that out there because I have no, no clue what Q said about it. So, all right, this is an interesting discussion. So, there's a little bit of a backstory to that whole the funeral, the Bush funeral, and and all that. Um, that funeral was on December fifth, twenty eighteen. Okay, so. Uh, also known in Q's vernacular as D5. <laughs> Q had been talking about D5 for a while. And um, December 5th, D5, right? A little inside joke there. Okay. So what happened, the lead up to all of that was uh, the Clinton Foundation, there was going to be a congressional hearing during which 
uh, a whistleblower from the Clinton Foundation was going to testify before Congress. And that um, hearing was scheduled for December 5th, 2017. Now, at that time, the Clinton Foundation was under investigation by the Justice Department and U.S. Attorney John Huber was running that investigation. People started to speculate that Huber was going to be um, at that hearing. He was going to testify. Um, I don't know how much I should say about this. On social media, I kept telling people that Huber is not going to be there. And I have a very good reason why I believe that Huber wasn't going to be at that hearing. Even though everyone kept saying Huber's going to be there and there's going to be witnesses and it's going to blow open the Clinton Foundation, uh, I was warning people, don't get your hopes up. I don't think Huber's going to be there. Number one, logically, he wouldn't be there because his investigation wasn't concluded. There's no way that the U.S. attorney is going to go into Congress in an open hearing and talk about an ongoing investigation in the most massive corruption scandal in world history before the investigation is complete. You just don't do that. So to me, it made no sense to believe that Huber was going to show up. Now, this, the hearing was scheduled for December 5th. And, um, well, it just so happens that Poppy Bush died and they had the state funeral on December 5th. And the Clinton Foundation hearing was rescheduled. So Q suggested that they put up this funeral, state funeral, to cancel that congressional hearing because they didn't want people knowing what was going on at the Clinton Foundation. It was the best that they could do. They threw a, a funeral for Bush and the hearing was delayed by a week. Now, come to the day of the funeral, everyone's there. And all these people start getting these envelopes and everyone's wondering, like, what's in the envelope? Hey, just, just for the sake of our British audience, can we just name a few? Because you just remind oh, yeah. us. So Bill Clinton was there. Hillary Clinton was there. Jimmy Carter was there. All the all the living, uh, living U.S. presidents were there, right? So Bush Jr. was there. Obama was there with his wife. Um, all the presidents, members of Congress. Trump was there with Melania. All the dignitaries were there. Big state funeral. You know, so somebody then starts handing out these envelopes to Bush Jr. and Hillary and Bill Clinton, and he gets one and she gets one. <laughs> Jimmy Carter gets one. And people are like, what the? And, and you could see the people looking at the envelopes and then have this look of like almost terror or disbelief on their face. Some of them lost the plot. Exactly. And everyone is wondering, like, what was in the envelope? Right. Yeah. So somebody actually asked Q in a, in a question and answer session, what was in the envelopes? Now, when they, um, on, on December 5th, when they rescheduled uh, the congressional hearing, Q posted something to the effect of, um, well played deep state, allow us to counter. Okay. So when then later on, there was a question and answer session and someone, one of the Anons asked Q what was in the envelopes, Q said, our promise to counter. That's it. That's, that was Q's answer. 
you indicated that there was some some promise in the written on the envelope that that Trump's people, the the, the good people uh, in the military, they were going to counter the deep state's move with um, canceling the 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 congressional hearing with uh, with the funeral, and, and that's about as far as I've heard a lot of other theories about what was in the envelope, uh, but that's that's what Q said. Uh, and then a week later, they had the hearing. Who, who handed the envelopes out? I don't remember. And because it, it, the whole thing is very bizarre. For, for a start, right, somebody had to get the envelopes there, which obviously links them to the person that's written, <laughs> right. written the letter, right? And somehow, unless, they, unless the envelopes rocked up in a in a package and it said, right, please hand these out to some. But then of course you've got a massive security risk because they could be full of, you know, I don't want to say the word, but you know, something, that, something that goes bang. <laughs> right. um, very bizarre. Very bizarre. Okay. It was bizarre. What about this? So these pedestrian emails, right? Can you just sum up it again in, in a, in a short synopsis? What, what what are they about, and and how is Q? How are we influenced? Oh well, look, the Podesta emails are oh gosh, they cover a lot of different subjects. Um, this is the one was, with the hot dogs and the, the yeah rats. yeah. Uh, it was it, well. First, John Podesta was Hillary Clinton's campaign manager in 2016. Uh, Podesta is a political operative. He's been a political operative. Um, he has been involved in. Um, elections and, and political candidates for a long time. And of course he is alleged to have, uh, to be a participant in a lot of very bizarre, probably illegal, um, activities involving, um, well, we know, yeah, we, we, yeah. we, yeah, we know he's, he's a, he's alleged to be a pedophile and a pervert. So, um, <laughs> Podesta fell for a phishing scam in his email. Somebody hacked his emails, got a whole bunch of them, and gave them to WikiLeaks. And then WikiLeaks did what they do; they published them. So it's it's a lot of emails to and from a lot of different people: Hillary Clinton, uh, Barack Obama, various political figures. And most of the emails are pretty boring. Some of them are a little bit spicy. Uh, one of them actually seems to be an, a, a discussion of the assassination of. Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. They talk about wet works in the vineyard uh, right before Scalia was found dead in a vineyard in Texas uh, without, and they did no autopsy on, on his body. Um, there were discussions of, um, you know, ordering a bunch of cheese pizza and hot dogs, I think, uh, at an exorbitant price flying from Chicago to D.C., I think. I don't, I don't have a good recollection of all the subjects subjects discussed in the Podesta emails, but there are some pretty, pretty disgusting uh, sounding emails. A lot of it is innuendo. You have to sort of read into, read between the lines, what people are saying. They use a lot of coded language um, in some of these discussions um, for the very reason that they probably figured, well, if these emails ever get hacked and they, they're made public, um, we don't want to come right out and say what we're doing. Yeah. It's kind of the culture. That's a culture with those people. 
Hmm. Um, there's code languages for everything. And if you're not in on the language and the symbolism, you don't know really what they're talking about. So, Yeah. And of course, Hillary had a load of her emails exposed, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. And trying to get it right. And, and even, worse, right. even worse, coming attractions. Um, so <laughs> these people are so stupid. <laughs> Hillary's personal assistant was Huma Abedin. Huma Abedin's husband at the time was disgraced Congressman Anthony Weiner. Anthony Weiner gets busted for sending uh, sexually explicit text messages to a minor. The police pick up his laptop and impound it. It goes to the New York Police Department. And they start looking through the hard drive and find all of these pictures and videos, um, which have been described as very disgusting uh, pedophile stuff. Mm -hmm. And of course, start tracing this all back. What happened was apparently Huma Abedin and Anthony Weiner had a system in their house that's automatically synchronized their laptops, their computers. Hillary would, uh, well, Huma Abedin would take her work home and she would work on uh, correspondence for Hillary as Hillary's assistant. She'd take it home. And she would do her work there and then go back to the office. Well, somehow Anthony Weiner's laptop synchronized with Huma's laptop, which was synchronized with Hillary's laptop. So all of Hillary's emails got transferred to Anthony Weiner's laptop and a whole bunch of pictures and videos mm. that had the, I guess, insurance file uh, name on it. Let's and just, I'm just going to say here, because I'm thinking about YouTube um, censoring us let's not get too graphic because it no, no no that's 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 all i'm going to discuss so the interesting thing is that that whole case um the, the laptop hard drive a copy of it was sent to the fbi and uh fbi sat on that hard drive for about a month and they would not talk about it until the election was over this happened right before the election in 2016 uh, became a big deal a couple a week or two right before the election when Andrew McCabe, deputy director, finally decided to tell James Comey about it, who's the director. They panicked. They sent um, a search warrant to the New York to New York to get permission to search the hard drive, and then there was this big brouhaha between New York Police Department and the Department of Justice. New York Police Department wanted to have wanted to do a press conference where they were going to talk about what they found on Anthony Weiner's laptop. Justice Department, uh, under the direction of Loretta Lynch, pushed back and threatened to prosecute a New York uh, police officer in a case where um, a, a guy died, a, a, a suspect died in sort of like a chokehold situation. So those, um, Anthony Weiner's laptop is um, sounds like it has a lot of potentially explosive information on it. And it's in the uh, hands of the Southern District of New York U.S. Attorney's Office, which was, until two weeks ago, under the direction of Jeffrey Berman. And I, I should say probably more like, I think Berman was fired about a month ago. Now, 
in addition to Anthony Weiner's laptop, Southern District of New York has jurisdiction over a lot of very important cases, including all the evidence in Jeffrey Epstein's uh, case. So Ghislaine Maxwell is arrested 10 days after Jeffrey Berman was fired. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence. Um, Q has suggested that the firing of Berman, getting rid of him from the Southern District of New York, U.S. Attorney's Office, essentially unlocked a whole bunch of information and crimes that are about to be exposed. I think we're going to see a lot more prosecutions very soon. A lot of that information is going to come out. Um, now that the obstruction is gone, uh, I, I, would, I would expect it's going to be very interesting six months down the road. I think we're going to see a lot more prosecutions, um, very embarrassing information coming out. Uh, it's, th things are moving in the right direction, I would say that. And is this somebody trying to chuck dirt at Q when you see these lists that are going around and it says, all these celebrities have already been executed? And it's got like Hillary on there and it's got the, the Queen of England. I don't know where people get this information from. Q has never talked about that sort of thing. Um, Q, Q, there's, I get these messages quite often. And people are always passing out these internet rumors. I, I, I got this from a friend who has a high-ranking source inside Washington. And they said this is true. And these arrests have already happened. I, this type of thing goes around. About every every four or five weeks, people say, "Oh, the arrests have happened." There's all these people that are at Guantanamo Bay. There are some of them have already been executed. Some of them have already been put on trial. These internet rumors have been going around for a long time. There's no truth to any of them. I don't know where they come from. They're not they're not from Q. No. Okay. That. Yeah. My gosh. Right. Lots of disinformation. Yes. Listen, Dave, I, I, I'm going to be honest. You've been absolutely fascinating. Um, I do love the way that you've kept it straight down the line on, on you know, on, on behalf of Q. And, and obviously, you're, you're, it says a lot about your character. Um, I'm, I'm just, well, I'm just very grateful you've come on the podcast. Um, I'm, I'm stopping now, oh, not because, I mean, I honestly could talk with you all, all, all night long. We've, we've literally just scratched the surface. But what I get conscious with is when people look at a podcast and go, oh, it's three hours, I'll, wa I'll watch that later. And, of course, <laughs> that later never comes. And then it's a shame for those people that could have, you know, could have what I'm trying to say is I think you've really covered the basis, re the bases really well. Um, and um, perhaps like we'll put this podcast out and then come back and either revisit it with another one, if that's okay with yourself or, or even um, we'll do a, a live show together and answer, answer people's questions. Um, so yeah, does that sound like a, sounds good. Like a plan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. I, I'm, it's not often I'm speechless, but um, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to close the podcast by trying to sound, say something trite, um, because there's clearly something there. 
who is controlling this something? Well, that's part of the uh, the 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 enigma, and also that this is this is why it it seems to be working so well. As I said, it's a big red flag for me that the mainstream are going after this. It it's I can understand them saying that the 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 pizza thing is a, a farcical debunk conspiracy, right? Because they're trying to protect their own, right? When they're going after the Q supporters with that same approach, is like if Q's so wacky and weird and these guys are just out, why not just leave them? Am I making sense? Or am I just yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, that you know, if the media is so convinced that Q is some wacky, crazy conspiracy theory, then why not ask Trump and settle the argument once and for all? Mm. That's what they should do if they're responsible journalists. The question is, why haven't they done that? <laughs> yeah, I guess I should finish by saying I, I really would encourage people, wherever you sit, keep an open mind. Bear in mind that the people that control this planet, they've been doing this for thousands of years. Thousands. Go back to the pyramids. You can probably go back. I mean, the symbols go back to the pyramids at least. You can probably go back before then. And and we really, if we want change for our children, uh, or it's probably going to be our children, children's children's children. I sound like Monty Python, but um, you know we need to be prepared to 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 go deep, to look deep, to think to think deep. Um, and yeah, that's it. I've I've said I've said enough. I don't want to waffle anymore. But Dave, stay on the line just so I could say a personal thank you and good, goodbye to you. But massive thank you again. Your channel and all your links I'll put below the YouTube video. For people who yeah. might be listening on iTunes, do you want to um, to say where the best place to find you is? Yeah, uh, I, I do have a podcast on iTunes. Um, I'm also on YouTube. Uh, prayingmedic.com is my website if I ever get taken down off of other social media platforms. Uh, that's the best place to find my articles, podcasts, and videos is pragmatic.com. Brilliant. Is there anything you'd like to say, Dave? You don't have to, but just trying to be polite here. Think for yourself, research for yourself, trust yourself. Where we go one, we go all. I do like that expression. <laughs> yeah. So to our friends at home, thank you so much for watching. Uh, another edition of the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Uh, please be respectful to each other in the comments. I mean, you don't have to. You live your life and I'll live, live mine. I know that. But it's um, it, if we're going to create this change, we, we, we need to at least be able to be civil to each other and talk and listen to different perspectives and consider the what-ifs rather than just doing what our parents' generation did, which is, oh, you speak differently to me, so I'm not going to talk to you, you know? Anyway, lecture's over. Massive love to you all. See you next time. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. 
Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username Chris Thrall. Instagram Chris Thrall. Thank you.